1: go to bluenile.com and use promo code listen to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more that's code listen at bluenile.com for $50 off bluenile.com code listen hello everyone welcome back to the history hit world wars podcast i'm your host james Rogers, and we are dedicated to that turbulent period in history between 1914 and 1945 I've dug back deep into the Dan Snow's History Hit archives to pull out an episode that uh, that I think's pretty good. That's because it is the first ever episode that I recorded on Dan Snow's History Hit and it got me into this game. It is about the Second World War cluster bombing of Grimsby of all places. Cluster bombs were a pretty new invention for the Second World War invented by the Nazis and one of the most horrendous of these was the Butterfly Bomb, which packed quite a punch, despite its relatively innocent name. There were 3,000 of these dropped on Grimsby in one night. I think this is a fascinating history. I've been to the town, interviewed the veterans, I've done a number of years of research on this, and uh, I hope you also find it fascinating as well. So here's my Second World War research with Dan Snow on History Hit. Enjoy.
0: Welcome back on the pod. Thanks for having me, Dan. I mean, it's always good to have you back on. You are your wildly popular last time, so we thought we'd get you back on. So this time, this is an odd story. Let's go back to the beginning. Go back to the beginning. of How, how did you come across this story? Oh,
1: God, right. I was researching uh, the early stages of my PhD, and I was looking at the reasons why certain weapons are accepted in war, and other weapons are dismissed as being immoral, illegal, unacceptable in times of war for killing. And so I started looking into the cluster bombs, you know, one of the pariahs of warfare. And bizarrely, I was looking into the history of it, trying to look for when it was first used against civilians.
0: And I'm going to interrupt you, remember, let's tell everyone what a cluster bomb is.
1: Okay, yeah, so a cluster bomb is... I think the technical thing is an anti personnel fragmentation bomblet. So basically, it's a, a bomb that explodes on impact, clusters out, sometimes with shrapnel inside, that will aim to kill people, military personnel or civilians, within around 150 to 250 feet radius. But they're usually dropped in their thousands or hundreds at a time.
0: Uh, and so they're, they're, little, they're sort of little bomblets, effectively. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so you can cover a vast area. Yes. With supersonic shards of razor-sharp steel.
1: We saw them used in the, the first Gulf War. They were used in places like Bosnia during the 1990s. This is what we associate the cluster bomb with. But surprisingly, in my research, I found the first case of the cluster bomb use against civilians was during the Second World War, and it was on the north of England. And specifically, it was on the small northeast coast fishing town of Grimsby. So this piqued my interest, as you can imagine.
0: Poor old, I tell you, East Coast towns, whether it's strategic bombing raids in the First World War or cluster bombs, they're a sort of petri dish for experimentation. They really are. And we, we
1: know so little about it because in the press, as a means to kind of keep morale a little bit higher, but also not let the Germans know about the success of the bombing raids, in the press it was always referred to as a northeast Coast town had been bombed. So Hull was bombed absolutely heavily during the Second World War. Nine out of ten buildings damaged or destroyed, you don't know much about it. This Grimsby raid, we don't know much about it, because, like I say, it was suppressed in the press.
0: Okay, so th- there's a raid on Grimsby. Um, mm-hmm. The Germans did tend to... They, they launched vicious attacks on provincial cities like Swansea and Grimsby as and when. But what was different about this one in terms of munitions used?
1: So this was where the first ever cluster bomb to be used on civilians, called the Butterfly Bomb, was used. And this was an ingenious, novel, yet deadly weapon. And don't be fooled by its somewhat cutesy name. The idea of it being a butterfly bomb doesn't carry to the fact that it had one hell of a bite. And the reason why is, well, I suppose we can go into the technical details a little bit about it, because you need to understand the technical details to understand why it's so deadly, and particularly why it killed so many civilians during the Grimsby attack. Now, the bomblet itself was around the size of a Coke can but much thicker than an aluminium coke can. It was made out of thick cast iron, and it was around a quarter of an inch thick. In the top of that, you had a hole, which is where you'd fill it with about seven and a half ounces of TNT. And then you'd pop the fuse into that hole, and it's the fuse that made it so deadly, but I'll come back to that in a bit. Out the top of the fuse, you had a six-inch metal wire, which was its arming spindle. And then slotted over the top of the metal wire, you had four... Wings that encased around the bomb and they would fold around the bomb. And then what you'd do is you'd pack these little bomblets, like you say, between 43 and 108 at a time into a larger missile container, you could call it that, called the Devil's Egg. They had great names for these things at the time. And then what would happen is that upon release from a plane, usually a, a Fokker or a Dornier, a small pyrotechnic fuse would open up the devil's egg and the butterfly bombs would release out like spiders coming out of an egg and they would scatter across the sky. Now immediately the butterfly bomb's wings would pop out and they would start to spin up the metal spindle like a rotor blade, uh, like, a, like a helicopter's rotor blades, and that would simultaneously slow the bomb but it would also arm it. So this meant that these hundreds if not thousands of bombs would be falling to the ground all at once, sashing down slowly and silently, and that's until they hit the ground. And this is where we come back to the fuses, because the fuses now kick in. So it was armed with the 41 impact fuse, which does exactly what it says on the tin, which is as soon as it hits the floor, it impact explodes and kills or maims all of those within 150 to 250 feet radius. And then what you have is the 67 fuse. Now, this was a long delay fuse. So this meant that once the 41s had gone off, the 67 fused bombs would just lay there for zero to 30 minutes. And this meant that anyone who came to help those who had been hurt in the first wave of the attack, wardens, ambulance crews, would then be struck by the bombs that were around them that were armed with the 67 fuse. But these weren't the most deadly ones. The most deadly fuse armed in these bombs was the 70B, and this was the anti-disturbance fuse. So this meant that, again, as these bombs fell to the ground, uh, and the wings were really useful as acting as hooks into trees um, or onto lampposts or onto fences, it meant that when those hit the floor or just hung in trees, they would turn the cluster bomb into a, a landmine. And this meant that whenever it was touched, within a split second it would explode and kill whoever had touched it. So this could be above you, below you, a ubiquitous threat all around you that lasted not just from the instant that it fell to the ground but for months, weeks, even years and I kid you not even to today and we did a Freedom of Information request into British bomb Disposal and 19 of these have been found between 2010 and 2017 in the UK alone so please if you find one don't touch it continuing into the decades that's the threat that these things posed and that's what made them so novel and deadly
0: that is a extraordinary description of of, of these uh, cluster munitions what was that what were, the, were they designed by the Germans to kill and maim civilians in this area bombing or were they hoped that you drop them on sort of russian infantry battalions
1: in my research, what I found is that I think they were made more as a infantry denial, but also air denial system. So from 1940, and they were produced in the Huten region of Germany from around early 1940, they were used on RAF airfields across the UK. So this isn't just a Grimsby story, by the way. This is across towns and villages nearby airfields that were kind of subject to these bombings. But that was incidental. The idea was you drop the bombs onto the airfield, and that means the planes can't go up because they've put potted holes into the airfields, or there's bombs just laying there, so that when a plane lands, it will hit one of these bombs. But also, like you say, sometimes the Germans painted them white and they dropped them on the ice roads in Russia. They painted them yellow and they used them as part of the siege of Malta so that when they landed in the cornfields, they would just sit there undetected until the farmers went over and ploughed the fields, killing the vital farmers and stopping the food production to the people of Malta, they're also dropped yellow and dropped on the um, on El Alamein. And there's one soldier, uh, a Reginald Cutler, whose interview I found in the Imperial War Museum oral archives, who stated that as soon as these fell, they turned the whole desert region into an instant minefield. So they were incredibly effective in slowing the enemy down or creating complete chaos across whole regions.
0: That's what the British were doing in the first Gulf War, wasn't it? The tornadoes trying to drop, is it JP-233 or whatever? It was, mm-hmm. What was that? Yeah, the munitions. They are trying to deny runways in Iraq, weren't they? Yeah. Um, so why did they drop them on Grimsby? Good
1: question. It's a question that I'm asked a lot, and it's also a question that the people of Grimsby still ponder as well. Now, there is a theory in Grimsby, and this is that the butterfly bomb was a brand new secret weapon deployed by Hitler, who specifically chose Grimsby as the perfect town to test this weapon on. And we know that isn't entirely true, because they were dropped from as early as 1940, and the Grimsby raid was from around 1:30 in the morning on June the 14th, 1943, right? However, there is a little bit of truth to that because it was used in a new strategy. Because the butterfly bomb was incredibly deadly because it was used alongside incendiary weapons, almost 6,000 of them, and high explosive bombs as well. In this novel strategy that was aimed at destroying a whole town and killing important people within that town who were vital for the um, fighting air raids. So there's a little bit there, but that doesn't answer the question, why Grimsby? And I've been digging into this further and further. And one of the main reasons I've found is that Grimsby's an important fishing town, right? We're, we're a starving nation. Fish is a vital protein. And what this does, and we came across Grimsby Library was donated one of the Luftwaffe air pilots' maps from the raid in 1970. And I stumbled across this. It's bizarre. And You can see exactly where they were aiming to bomb. So the train yards, the fishing docks, the hospitals actually marked on there as well. This is truly an area bombing strategy here. And I think the main aim here is to stop any food production or to at least test how much you could use this bomb to deny a fishing port, incredibly important fishing port. So I think that's part of it. But then a couple of other historians have come across the idea that actually there was lots of American troops deployed. In that region, because Grimsby was an area where, as the parts for lorries and vans um, and armoured vehicles came into the UK in a kind of somewhat prefabricated fashion from the US, Grimsby was a place where they were constructed to move American troops around the UK. So it could be that the Luftwaffe thought that this is where troops were gathering for a somewhat Normandy-style invasion as well. So there's a, there's a couple of things there that tie us into a, region why, a reason why Grimsby was seen as an important uh, civil, industrial, military target.
0: Now, so did, did they work? It's a callous and horrible thing to say, but did they work? And did, were the Germans able to evaluate whether they worked?
1: So they worked, Yeah. I'll paint the picture of the particular night that it was dropped on Grimsby. So, like I said, this was 1.30 in the morning on the 14th of June, 1943. And this was the night before a bank holiday Monday. And there hadn't been a raid on Grimsby for up to a year beforehand. And it's argued that this was deliberate. To lull the region into a false sense of security, especially before a bank holiday, a summer bank holiday, the skies were clear, the stars were out, it was a warm bank holiday, people were resting in their beds. This was until the phosphorus flares went off in the sky, creating what some of the local residents called a beautiful circle of fire that lit up the town. But it didn't seem so beautiful once the Luftwaffe pilots were able to look at their maps and start to drop their HE bombs, the largest of which was 100 kilograms. And they dropped these across the town, blowing a, a number of buildings, but most importantly, shaking the foundations of the town. And this meant that it was ready for the next wave of attack, which was 6,000 incendiary weapons, which were littered across the town. And they would find holes in the slates and the roofs that had been shook by the town. And they set fire to... I think there was 398 separate fires across Grimsby. Now, this was all part of the strategy. It was their cunning plan, right? Because what it meant was that all the fire brigades and the wardens would come out into the streets and try and fight the fires, tackle these blazes that were setting across the whole of the town. But it's at this point that the third and final wave of the attack came in. I'm sure you can tell where I'm going with this. Because it's when the butterfly bombs were dropped, Now, the 41 fuse bombs, the impact fuse, they hit the ground and and killed and maimed as many of the wardens and firefighters as they could. And then the ambulance crews came out to try and help those firefighters that had been hit. And it's at that point that the 67 fuse bombs that had been laying there in wait for half an hour or so started to pop off all around the town. And that's when the ambulance crews started to be killed as well. But then that's just the start of the attack, because, of course, the 70B fuse bombs are just laying there in wait. So, as soon as the all clear sounds, and it's a few hours later, people think they've never had this bomb dropped on them, they don't know it's there. You start to see the civilians coming out of their houses, seeing these bombs in the street. Some people kick them away out of fear, some people pick them up. I've described the bomb, it's an intriguing looking weapon. It doesn't really look like a bomb. And especially children were intrigued by this particular bomb. And so, Chaos and panic sets off across the town, and it gets worse as the sun rises in the morning and people come out of their houses and the bombs are lying in the street. The town is in complete paralysis. Now, fortunately for Grimsby, just up the road in Nottingham, there was a bomb disposal conference going on. So Eric Wakeling, one of the bomb disposal leaders, led his team on a Category A mission to try and dispose of the bombs in the town, but they were sent to the docks because they had to try and get everything working. If you get everything working again around the docks, then when the planes came back over to check on just how much damage there had been, they'd be able to say that, well, actually, you know, it wasn't that effective. The Nazis might not use this again. And they were successful in that, but it meant the rest of the town was left to tackle it on their own. And it's at this point that something quite miraculous happens. The town folks come together with a lot of the wardens, and the five-mile road into Grimsby becomes chock-a-block but it's not with death and destruction, although there are a number of ambulances and fire engines blown up all over the place. It's with the town coming together and filling sandbags in a line all the way into Grimsby, creating this massive sandbags, because what they'd been told was that you just build a wall around the butterfly bombs. And therefore, as they went off, they wouldn't be able to kill or maim anyone. So by doing this, they were able to bring the streets back to life within a number of days. That's the main part of the streets. Now, the search went on for months, and it's at 10,000 manpower hours. They drew in the U.S. Air Corps, they drew in wardens from other areas, they even used the German POWs that were in the area, I'm not sure that's legal in any way, to start clearing the streets as well. And they managed to get the town back on its feet, but it was deadly, deadly effective at bringing this town to a complete halt. But then maybe also the people of Grimsby are right, because it wasn't then used on any other coastal town, so maybe they were able to do it quickly and effectively enough with the spirit of the people of Grimsby to stop this being used in other places.
0: That is an extraordinary story. And just just quickly, just to finish off, I mean, cluster munitions, whatever the Germans made of them, did, did the Allies get... Were they developing them separately, or did, did they just nick this idea from them in 1943 and, and develop their own cluster munitions?
1: I mean, it's, it's, it's even more bizarre and surprising than that. Not only did they develop their own, but they copied the exact design of the German butterfly bomb, the Americans did, and they created their own bomb called the Butterfly Bomb, but codenamed it the M83. And this bomb, now, it was ready by late 1944 because we've seen the instructional videos, but there's no proof that it was dropped on places like Tokyo and across Japan. However, it stayed in the American arsenal and they used this exact same bomb in its hundreds of thousands across Korea, across Vietnam and Laos killing and maiming thousands of people so the people of Grimsby and their experience directly relates to this bombing decades later by the United States and there was an Associated Press article just a few weeks ago actually where they were interviewing the bomb disposal people in North Korea and the butterfly bomb remains their most deadly adversary that they tackle on a daily basis in North Korea.
0: That is an astonishing. That's an astonishing story. Thank you so much for sharing. What is your latest project? Tell us all.
1: So, working a lot on the butterfly bomb stuff at the moment, planning to get a piece out with History Today by the end of the year, but also to coincide with the Normandy landings as well, because one important bit about the Normandy landings is no one knows the butterfly bombs were used on the troops as they came up the beaches. But that's a whole other story then.